sermon passage this morning is Acts chapter 1. I know last week it, it said our passage was Acts 1, 1 through 11, but actually last week I think I preached the title. I want, I want to send that to my, one of my seminary professors. <laughs> He'll take away my... We'll take away my degree. Um, Acts 1. Verse 1. Hear hear God's holy, perfect word. First account I composed Theophilus about that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up into heaven. After he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen... To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking and saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who had been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. May God be pleased with the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord God, we do love your word. We love you. You have caused us to be born again by the application of your word to us, Holy Spirit. We pray as spiritual people, we would worship you in spirit and in truth, and we would love and adore you, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, above even life itself. May we leave this place, Lord, deeper in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, deeper in love with other people, and cause us to love people so much that we would speak often of Christ to them. Build your kingdom, use us, glorify your name, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Last week, as I mentioned, looking at the title, and you, we, we unpacked various truths um, from this particular, biblical truths from even the title of this book that we said it was not inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it was given by good and necessary deduction by, I would argue, godly churchmen. And so this book is variously uh, entitled. It's titled in my Bible, um, the book of Acts, or the book of the Acts. In the church of my youth, it was called the, um, the Acts of the Apostles. There was one fellow, one theologian, called this the Acts of Christ. And clearly, if you look at this passage, and you look at uh, verse, uh, what, 5 and verse 8, um, verse one, uh, 2, excuse me, there are even people who say, this is the acts of the Holy Spirit. And if I could kind of maybe bring all of those things together and, 
and look at a, a macro view of what you're, we're looking at in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is about the extension of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ as the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, empower the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the gospel. That's how the kingdom of Christ is advanced. It's through, as Paul says, through the foolishness of the preached word, preaching both law and preaching gospel. The law of God shows us the danger that we're in, uh, why we need the good news. The good news obviously answers the bad news. The wages of sin is death, but the free offer of, of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So bad news, good news. Law, gospel. Paul says in the book of Galatians chapter uh, 3 that the law drives us to Jesus Christ as a, as a tutor, as a schoolmaster. And then Christ comes and provides the salvation that we need. So this book is about the advance of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ as the triune God enables Christ's servants to preach the kingdom of Christ or the gospel of Christ. When I say the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll see in your Bible a number of places where the men are asking Jesus, are you restoring the kingdom? He'll talk about the kingdom of God. When I say the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, I I said it in my my, uh, pastoral prayer. I mean the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't mean a particular visible expression of church, not the, not the covenant Orthodox Presbyterian church, not the Orthodox Presbyterian church. I don't mean a particular denomination of Christians. When I talk about Jesus advancing his kingdom, it, it, I mean advancing his church. There are two ways to consider the church of Christ, generally understood. I could divide it in, in two. One is the, visible, the invisible church, excuse me, and the other is what I would say is the visible church. The invisible church um, consists of all those who truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We call them, the Bible calls them the elect. These are true believers, so only sheep. They're really joined to Jesus as their head, and they are really joined to Jesus Christ as, as Christ's body. That's the invisible church. The visible church is what we are here today. It's all those who profess true religion or the gospel, the essence of true religion, is that we are justified by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's what justifies us before God. That's the essence of the gospel. And so the visible church consists of all those who profess that, true believers in Christ alone, along with our children. That church is, is a mixed multitude. If the first way that we consider the church is all true believers. Uh, The visible church consists of, I would argue, um, uh, tares and wheat, or the way that the Lord Jesus Christ puts it, uh, goat and sheep. Remember Judas. Judas was a member of the household of faith, as it were. Judas was a preacher. Judas, Judas was a member of the visible expression of Christ's band, but he had no faith. He was not a true believer. So the visible church of the Lord Jesus Christ is being advanced by the preaching of the Lord Jesus by his, by his servants. Now, when we speak about the visible church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we also can refer to Christ's church, as we see here in the passage, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ. I referenced it from Ephesians chapter 5. We are called also the body of Christ or the bride of Christ. Christ is our head. Um, the Bible speaks about, the, and I use it often, uh, the household of faith. We are the household of God. 
And so when we, what we're looking at in the book of Acts is how Jesus is extending his kingdom or his church. They're one and the same. It's through the ministry of the word. That's going to help us when we get at, so what's the, what's the work of the church? What should the church be busy doing in this world? The Bible will tell us what we should be busy doing in this world. If you look at the text, when the, the men of Christ are empowered, what are they empowered to do? And you shall bear what of me to the four corners of the earth? The English word is witness. You shall be my witnesses. And the Greek word for witness is martyr. You shall be my martyrs. And what will you be, what will you be telling people about? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. So the church is busy about that business, and Jesus is busy about building his kingdom with that particular message, which we know that the world, the flesh, and the devil thinks is silliness. When you look at this passage, you're seeing Jesus, and we're going to talk about it in the body of the sermon, going from one estate to another estate. We see him leaving into heaven. One of the things that we're taught here is that Jesus Christ is no longer with us in a physical way, but he is with us in a spiritual way. So that the way that Jesus is with us as his children and us as his servants is a spiritual way, no longer a physical way. Let me put it to you this way, that Christ tells us this in John's Gospel, John chapter 15. This is Christ speaking about the way that he will be present with us as his people. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. So that the way Jesus is with us is by his Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. We now, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we now no longer know Jesus after the flesh. I want to say something. Depending upon the kind of churches that you have affiliate yourself with, you will find people say, you know what? I saw Jesus last night in the flesh. He came to me. We had a pizza. We had a talk. I will tell you, beloved, when Jesus goes away and he is now with us by his spirit, we are to be good Bereans. We're to believe what we believe based on the word of God, the clear word of God. If someone tells you they're having a little talk with Jesus after the flesh, that is, they can see him with their fleshly eyes, I would run for the hills, beloved. I would run for the hills. The Bible says, God the Holy Spirit says, we now know him after the flesh no longer. We know him spiritually. He's with us spiritually. They're practicing a form of Christianity, I would say, that's contrary to the spirit-wrought word. And of course, I'm referencing 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But we will someday. We will someday see the Lord Jesus Christ in his glorified flesh. And when will that be? Our text talks about it. When we're going to hear a trumpet and Christ will come back and all the elect ones will be gathered in from the four corners of the earth and we will dwell with him forever and ever and ever. And the scripture says, and we will be like him. 1 John 3, 1 through 3, we're going to have a glorified body like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we are looking at how Christ is with us as his people in this spiritual way, it's going to inform us the kind of people that we are to be as heaven-bound Christians. I'm going to say this. The Bible says God's eyes are too pure to what? 
to look upon sin with favor is the idea. What kind of people will be permitted into God's immediate presence in heaven? Who can go and stand before God in heaven? Can sinners. Only people that are made righteous, only those people who don't uh, appear before the Lord Jesus Christ uh, with, with sin, only those people, the Bible says, that are spiritually born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if I could use the language of Ephesians, Jesus Christ is advancing his spiritual kingdom with people that have been made spiritual. The scripture says that we once were dead in our sins and our trespasses, Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. But then what's happened? God the Holy Spirit has regenerated us. We've been born again. He's given us the gift of faith. He's joined us to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is busy building this spiritual kingdom with spiritual people. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is, this is us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Jesus Christ. So God the Holy Spirit is advancing the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ one living stone at a time being built up into this living holy temple of Jesus Christ. We may say it this way. The waters of baptism may join us to the church formally or outwardly, but there are many, many people that have been received water baptism or even made a profession of faith. But the only thing that joins us to Jesus Christ savingly, eternally, spiritually, is being born again and having faith in Jesus Christ. The kind of kingdom, as we've spoken of, that Jesus has been speaking of, he's advancing a spiritual kingdom. We'll talk about that further in the body of the sermon. Let's talk now about the human author of this particular book. Look at verse 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to teach and to do. In this first verse, the, uh, the human author references himself but doesn't give his name. Now, for various reasons that I'm not going to go into, if it was a Bible study, perhaps we would. For various internal reasons within this book, I would say most of the people in the Christian church would argue that the writer of the book of Acts is the same writer for the gospel according to Luke, which is to say Luke. And Luke is, if you remember, he was the trusted friend and the companion of the apostle Paul, Most people believe that Luke was a Gentile convert to the Lord Jesus Christ. I I believe that 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 is true. And if this isn't true, if that is indeed true, what that means is this particular book written by Luke is an eyewitness account of many of the things that he recorded, both in Luke and Acts, and that he as a good historian compiled. And so that would mean for us that both Luke's gospel and the book of Acts, that this man, Luke, takes his um, part. What does the Bible call it? A great cloud of what? From Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12. 
a great cloud of witnesses. You remember what that word witness is? A great cloud of martyrs. This man, Luke, is part of that great cloud of witnesses. And what is he essentially testifying of here? Look at the text. Christ, 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 Christ. Beloved, the best preachers and teachers of the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they know Christ savingly. They have repented of their sins. They have brought their sins to Jesus Christ as their only hope in life and death. And they have found forgiveness and reconciliation and peace and love. And that is that this particular man. He is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Luke is manifesting for us, recording this particular uh, book, is he is recording to us, and I've mentioned this many times before, the nature of the Christian faith. And when I say the Christian faith, I mean the biblical Christian faith. What is biblical Christianity? And one aspect of biblical Christianity is what Luke is expressing, is that biblical Christianity is evangelical. Evangelical just means good news. Jesus Christ is the evangel. He is the good news. But when we use evangelical, we mean the spoken word of Christ, the preached gospel that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost, that God is love, and if we look to God in Christ, we will receive God's love and mercy and forgiveness. That's what we mean by evangelical. And when we see Luke saying, I'm going to write the gospel account, I'm going to write the book of uh, Acts, he is expressing the evangelical nature of the Christian faith. The Christian faith, sometimes we're told, well, keep your religion. Yes, we're for religion, but keep it very private. It should be so private that it never leaves outside of your home. Don't tell anyone else your faith. You've been told this, right? Utterly contrary to the Bible. Utterly contrary to what happens when a man or a woman is converted to the Lord Jesus Christ for real. Here is Luke, Paul. Um, they come to know Jesus, God in the flesh, the Savior, for real. Not just some concept that they were taught, but for real. What's the very next thing that they do? What did, what did Peter in, in, in his brother Andrew do? Or Philip, we found the Messiah. We've, we found the Messiah. We have the words of eternal life. Beloved, if, if we had the cure for cancer, how many of us have had loved ones who have died of cancer? If we had the cure for cancer, would you just sit on your hands while you were sitting with people perishing of that disease and you had the answer? Would you say, well, I'm not going to say anything till you ask me. Oh, no. We would be what? We would be walking, talking, advertising. I have the answer and it's free. Luke is expressing the fact that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has been given to us effectually, that we would give it away to other people. That's the gospel of Christ according to Luke. That's the book of Acts. And how this kingdom that Christ is advancing through his servants, how it is advanced. And I'm going to say it's two ways. One as we see things, and one as God sees them as it were. The way that the church of Christ advances or the kingdom of Christ advances from our point of view is we sow the gospel seed. We, we are profusely telling people about Christ. And what, and what is it that we're telling, him, telling people about? We're telling him about his person. We're telling him about his work. That Jesus Christ is fully God. He's fully man in the flesh. Is it a mystery? It's a mystery of mysteries. 
He's the second person of the Godhead. He's born of the Virgin Mary, born of her yet without any sin. And he was born to do what? He was born to die for sin. He was born to take away our sin. He's a sin bearer. He's a reconciler. He's an atoner. And so the way the kingdom advances is one person that has found forgiveness in Jesus for their sins running around telling people Jesus Christ loves and forgives sinners. And if you think, well, I'm not sure that he does. He's looking for the, for the righteous folk. Boy, we're toast. Everybody in this room is toast. We're all toast. If he came to look for the righteous, what does the Bible say? There's no one righteous. Read Romans 3, 9 through 18. How many righteous folk are there? None. No one's righteous. No one seeks God. No one does good. Their feet are swift to do evil. Their tongues are like swift biting asps, right? Everyone's fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus has come to seek and to save scallywags, sinners. My favorite passages in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. This is 10 folk who aren't going to heaven. Liars, homosexual, adulterers, effeminate, uh, uh, all of those things. And you read it and you think, boy, howdy, I'm getting my feelings hurt. Good, good. Everybody's in there. Well, how are we going to go to heaven then? What does it say at the end of that passage? But such were some of you. You're sanctified. You're washed. So it's one sinner that has found forgiveness in Jesus running around telling people, Jesus saves sinners. That's good news. And you say running around, well, do you mean everyone has to be a preacher or, or a missionary? No, of course not. No, of course not. I've, I've said this before. Who was it? Winston Churchill said that the hand that rocks what rules the world? The hand that rocks what rules the world? The cradle. Who's that? That's mama. That's mama. So yes, we should be looking for folk that we could talk to. If you're a mama, you, you have instant folk that you can talk to about Jesus. And they love you and you love them back. Am I not right with that? So when you think... Well, I don't really talk to people about Jesus. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you're a mother, I'm just, let's talk about mothers. My daughter was praying for that baby before the baby came out of her belly. My daughter-in-law, the same thing. As soon as the baby comes out of the belly, what are you talking to the baby about? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Instant. So from our point of view, that the way this spiritual kingdom advances is we are zealously profuse with the sowing of the gospel seed. There was a, a Scottish guy, I forget his name. He was a minister. Rabbi Duncan. <laughs> he was a Gentile, but he called himself Rabbi Duncan. He said, I'm just a talker. I'm just a talker. I consider myself uh, Johnny Gospel Seed. I'm just Johnny Appleseed. We can't make something effectual. We can't cause the growth. So, but from our end, we scatter the seed. Jesus saves sinners. Come to Christ. He'll never turn anyone away that comes to Christ. We're ubiquitous with that. Who can cause the growth? This is how the, the kingdom extends from God's point of view. Who can cause the growth? God can cause the growth. We can't bring conviction of sin. We can't work faith. I can't give it to you. It doesn't come through the water of baptism. Faith is something that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit gives it. 
God the Holy Spirit takes out the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, gives us faith, joins us to Jesus savingly. And then once we're joined to Jesus savingly, he builds us up in the image of Jesus. God does that. So he uses the means of the ministry of the word here to extend his kingdom, but God is the one that causes the growth. That's how this kingdom is advanced. That's what we see in the book of Acts. And if we're correct that Luke is this Gentile convert to the Lord Jesus Christ, which I think he is, this would be something of first fruits. Now, I want you to think of that. Here is this Gentile who believes in the Lord Jesus. He's running around saying, I've met the Messiah of Israel, and he has saved me from my sins, and I've been grafted into the people of God. And let's just say you were a Jew in this particular day. Would you say, oh, that is wonderful. I'm so happy that God is saving Gentiles. Is that what you would say? No, you would not say to that. So this to us is just like plain vanilla. We're thinking, oh yeah, he saves Gentiles. Easy squeezy. Most of us here are not Jews by nature. Most of us here are Gentiles by nature. And the word Gentile in Greek is is ethnos. It just means nations. It just means non-Jew. So here here is a first fruit of God saving a Gentile. What kind, of, what kind of people were subjugating the Jews at this time? Roman Gentiles. Roman Gentiles. This would be like telling a Jew in Nazi Germany, you know what? God could save that Nazi guard over there and forgive them and, 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 and bring them to heaven. I don't know if I cotton with that. I don't know how much I like that idea. Here comes the gospel message. God is in the saving sinner's business and all over the world he's in the saving sinner's business and he'll save even those scallywag Gentiles. And the Jews are thinking, well, that doesn't very much sound like good news. Beloved, I want to ask you a question. Are there people that don't know the Lord that you don't love enough or love them such that you would want them to be your spiritual brother or spiritual sister, that they would come to know salvation in Jesus. Because then they're your spiritual family. Are there people that you do not love enough to want them to know Jesus savingly? Forgiven, forgiven. I mean, we know, well, we're Christians. We want everybody to be a Christian. We want everybody to find forgiveness in Jesus, except that dirtbag that hurt me over there. There there are a lot of people that do a lot of bad things. And I shaved his face this morning. We are those people. And what does the Bible say in John 3.16? For God so what? Right. Right. This, 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 this book is calling us back. We are new creatures in Jesus. We're new creatures in Christ. We're not the old man. If you were the liar, the drunkard, the fornicator, the drug addict, if that was you before you were converted, you're not that anymore. You are new. New, 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 new. 2 Corinthians 5, new. You have a new heart. You're, you're, in, you're not in the flesh. You're in Christ. You're in the Holy Spirit. You're new. 
This book is calling us to remember who and what we are. And that we are to walk in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to imitate our Jesus. So, from our point of view, the way the kingdom is advanced, we tell people about Jesus. And we tell them about Savior Jesus. And that's important. Sometimes Christians fall into this trap. We have secondary or tertiary things in our, in our, in our ecclesiastical communion, in our churches. Things which are subordinate to the gospel. And those become, we're all jazzed about those. And then we meet a, a person, and we don't, we don't get around to talking about Jesus. We say, oh, how, what's the church government at your place over there? What, 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 what do you think about church government over there? Well, we're a congregational, oh, a congregational government. Oh, congregational. We're Presbyterian, ruled by elders. I'm sorry. I don't know if you're going to make it in congregational, congregational government. And I'm being a little silly. Beloved, when we're sowing the kingdom of Christ and sowing the gospel, it has to be the gospel of Christ. We have to talk about Christ. I don't mean that we're to shut down all other forms of religious talk. But a lot of times people think that they're ministering Jesus and they they never get around to actually saying what? Jesus. For you to talk about Jesus, you actually have to use the word what? Jesus. You have to talk about Christ. And to minister the gospel of Jesus, that means what? You have to know the gospel of Jesus. We believe election. I believe election. Is election the gospel? It is not the gospel. It is not the gospel. The gospel is about the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be what? Saved. Saved. In Acts 13, 48, just to say that, show you that I do believe election. And those appointed to eternal life, what? Believed the gospel. So we have to, the way that the kingdom is advanced is by the proclamation of Christ and the gospel. And I will say this. And this is just perhaps of our own study of our own selves. Ask yourself this question. Do you, with any regularity, talk to other people about Jesus Christ? Do you? Do you ever talk to another person about the gospel that Jesus saves for sinners and he pays for their sins with his blood? Do you ever talk to another person about that? There was a person I love very much that I think died and went to heaven. I think he was converted way later in his life. But earlier in his life, He was a brutal human being. He would beat you bloody, bloody, bloody. And someone once said about this person, he couldn't love you, he couldn't do these things, he didn't have it to give away. Beloved, you can't give away a Christ that you don't have. You can't can't give away a gospel that you don't have, that you don't believe. This This is kind of convicting. You think, well, I didn't think about Jesus yesterday. I didn't think about Jesus this week. No, I never talked to anybody about Jesus. You will know them by their what? The way the kingdom is advanced is through the proclamation of Christ. And as we said, the gospel is going to go out to Jew, Gentile, black, white, free, poor. And Jesus is busy saving from all of those people. One of my favorite scripture passages is, is Revelation 5. I think it's 9. 
Jesus saves from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. That's this book. It's in our passage. I want you to be my witnesses, my gospelers in Judea, Samaria, and where? To the ends of the earth. Beloved, I prayed it. Our brother George prayed it. We turn on the news. We turn on our silly smartphones. Smartphone, dumb phone. We put on our silly dumb phone. And and what are we absorbed with? The, the, The war. And we're watching Russians and Ukrainians killing Russians and Ukrainians. We're watching a fellow Slav kill a what? A fellow Slav. I don't, everyone, I, we become experts in things that we're not experts in. Like most Christians now are experts in like um, viruses. They're almost all medical doctors. We, we know everything. Am I not? And then not only are we experts in viruses, we're also experts in geopolitical, oh, if you want to know about like why Russia, and you, oh, you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> this guy, okay, he's owning this. Beloved, we have the answer. We have the answer. And only we have the answer. You know what's going to make a fellow Slav not kill a fellow Slav? And actually love the Slav as a brother or a sister and love God. There's only one thing that can make a sinner love God and love another person. Love them. Love them. This, this, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, politically, politically, I I don't have a clue. I'm like, who's, I don't, I don't know. But I do know the answer. White, black, poor, rich, Republican, Democrat, Ukrainian, Russian. Once we are in Jesus Christ, what are we? We're brothers. We're sisters. We're children of the King, our Father who art in heaven. He's our Father. It's this. This is what the kingdom's all about. This is the kingdom. This is the church. It's everywhere. So if you, if you go to Zimbabwe and you go into a church and they're loving Jesus, guess who those folks are? They're your family. They're your brothers and sisters in Jesus. Well, they... They dunk and I sprinkle. They dunk, I pour. They say tomato, I say tomato. They're big enders, I'm little enders. They're your brothers and sisters in Jesus. This, this, I prayed it. I prayed it. The Prince of Peace is coming back and he's, we're going to beat our spears into plowshares. So the answer, the answer is the advance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ by lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the answer. And see this guy over here about all the other questions that you have. Now, in the rest, I mean, I know we're looking at it kind of thematically or topically. In, in verse 1, he says, he, he writes to, to Theophilus, and he, he actually, this is the dedication in verses 1 through 3, he dedicates the gospel of Luke also to Theophilus. Now quote Luke 1 3. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. That's Luke's Gospel 1 3. 
So Luke writes the Gospel of Luke, and he dedicates it to Theophilus. And now the book of Acts 1.1, the first account I composed, Theophilus, meaning Luke. Now, the word Theophilus means friend of God. It's a compound. Theos is uh, in phileo, is, is uh, to love, but friendly kind of love. So Theos is, is God. So this is a friend of God. This is either this fellow's real name or when he was converted to Jesus Christ, it was given to him or he took this name. He says, I'm writing to you, most excellent friend of God. I have a Christian minister friend who, um, when he was converted to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, subsequent that, he took the name Christian. He no longer goes by his Hindi name because I think his Hindi name has some connotation to false gods. So he set that name aside and took the name Christian. I want you to think, think of this. Here is one person who has come out of his sin and found forgiveness in Jesus Christ writing to another person that likewise is a sinner who found forgiveness in Jesus. And what does he call him? Friend of God. What does God call us apart from Christ? <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. Liar, fornicator, thief, blasphemer, Sabbath breaker. He calls us guilty. What does God call us in Christ? You are my friends. We are friends of God. This is, this is stunning. This is, this is stunning. We are friends of God. Remember what a Gentile is? A non-Jew? Ephesians 2, 12 through 21. Here's a Gentile. You're in the world. You're without hope. You're without God. You're a stranger to the covenants. You're a stranger to the Lord. But now in Christ, we've been brought near. And the dividing, the, 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 the veil has been taken apart away. And now we've been brought near to God. And so no longer does God call us as believers. Now, I'm not saying that you may not have family and friends that you're the drunk, you're the this, you're the that, you're the scallywag. They may. And they may call you that to the day you die. Now in Jesus Christ, God calls you, you are my friend. And he calls us even more than his friends. We're his children. We're God's children. We're God's beloved children. When, when we think of our sin, when you think of your sin, when I think of my sin, I put a quote in by Martin Luther this week. I don't know when it was when I sent out. When Luther said, when I look at myself, I don't know how I can be saved. But then he says, when I look at Christ, I don't, I don't know how I cannot be saved. It's what Christ does for us. This is what's going on. Christ saves a Luke. Christ saves a Theophilus and makes us a Theophilus. This is the power of the gospel. And this is what's happening. And, and he says over and over again, the summary of what he's getting at is about all that Jesus began to do and Jesus began to teach. I've said this probably so much that you want to fire me. The, again, in a summary way, the Bible fundamentally is a book about Jesus Christ, about his person, about his work. There are lots of things in the Bible. Um, there are lots of secondary, tertiary things that you could study in the Bible. And they're fun to us, and they're there by God's divine appointment. But the main thing is what? Jesus was walking on the Emmaus Road, Luke chapter 24. And the two guys are walking, saying, we thought he was the Christ. And what does Jesus say? He opens up the prophets from Moses to Malachi. And he says, you foolish men, it's about me. 
1 Peter 1.11, the spirit of Christ and the prophets preaching about the sufferings of Jesus and the glories of Jesus to come. A Christianity that doesn't focus on Christ, the gospel of Jesus, is not fit to be called Christianity. What do you all do here? Well, what... We have a soup kitchen here. That's great. That's great, soup kitchen. And, and then we have a political action group that meets later. I suppose that's okay. Um, who are you voting for? And then what, el- what else do you all do here? Well, yeah, that's about it. Be good. Be good. And you want a crown financial to, to have some money? Do that. What are you not hearing? A Christianity that doesn't do this. I'm here to tell you about what Jesus did. He lived a perfect life and he died a perfect death. And what did he teach? My wife raised a Hindu and became a Christian. Gandhi said his favorite teacher was Jesus and his favorite sermon of Jesus was the Sermon on the Mount. Gandhi. The Sermon on the Mount is not the gospel. Jesus says what? Jesus came teaching what? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Finish it. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Gandhi didn't like that part. The only way you can be the meek, the only way that you can be the poor, the only way that you can be persecuted for the name of Jesus is to be in Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. The cross is the essence of the gospel. That's what he's preaching. John the Baptist is out preaching, repent and believe. Mark chapter 1, 1 verse 15, Jesus comes on the scene and says, repent, believe in me. So the Bible fundamentally, Christianity fundamentally, is talking about Christ and then subsequent our coming to Jesus where to live for him where to live for him where to live a holy life and are we going to stumble and bumble and fail every day that we live how many people as Christian people do not sin anymore raise your hand we sin against God in thought word and deed every day and for the heart of the person who is born again what happens it grieves us Oh, thou son of David, have mercy. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me the victory. May I live a a life pleasing to this Jesus. And then Jesus Christ shows himself convincingly over a period of 40 days to, to the apostles who are his preachers. And they're so thoroughly convinced that Jesus has risen from the dead They went from hiding behind the doors because of fear of the Jews. And then after this period of time, what did they do? We are going to tell the whole world that Christ is the Savior of sinners. We're going to tell everybody. And the Jews told the guys what? And the Gentiles told the guys what? You better shut up or we're going to kill you. And what did the guys do? To live as Christ, to die as gain. Whether it's right before to listen to you or not, we have to tell people about Christ you know how many people have tried to stop the church of Christ or the gospel of Jesus Christ? Was it Nietzsche? I forget it was Nietzsche. Some that God is dead. I forget the one that said God is dead. Right? Oh, beloved. I don't know. One of those guys. No one, no human being will stop the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. No human being will stop the gospel of Jesus. No human being, no demon will stop the church of Jesus Christ that he purchased with his blood. No one. And they've all tried and they've all died. 
It's purchased with the blood of the Lamb. And the people of, that are, are, are attached to preach this message, who are they empowered by? The Holy Spirit. I could preach another lesson on the Trinity from this passage, but I won't. The Holy Spirit empowers these men. What is that teaching us? Men can do a lot of stuff. Unconverted men can do a lot of stuff. I know there are some Christians that say, if you're not a Christian, you're dumb as a post and you can't do any good. Well, that's stupid. There's a woman, I forget what her name was, Shakuntala Devi. She's dead now. She called herself the human computer. She could do math faster than a computer. She's a Hindu. Human beings can, un, unconverted human beings can do a lot of smart stuff. And you hope when you go to the doctor that you have a smart doctor, even if he's a Muslim or what have you. You want a smart one. They can put men on the moon. But what the Holy Spirit equipping these men teaches us, human beings cannot convert another human being. You can't do it. You can cry, you can beg, you can yell and scream. You can say, shut the doors, come just as you are, come to the front. That cannot convert anybody. It's God. And I'm going to end with this. The guys are filled with the Holy Spirit, equipped with the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel, to preach Christ. That's their job. We need to... And remember the guys say, well, are you going to do the Jewish kingdom now, Jesus? Or are we killing the Romans? When are we killing the Romans? Again, again. Those are the guys that are wrong. The church, Christians get this wrong all the time. Christian ministers get it wrong. Even a real born-again believing I love Jesus preacher, they got it wrong. So great. Preaching Jesus, saving sinners, kill Romans. Great. Making Jerusalem great again. Great. I've lost people in this church. Pastor John, you don't love America. Pastor John, you're not a conservative. Pastor John, you're not a real Republican. See ya. That's not the job. Real born-again ministers mix up their socio-political aspirations with Christ's salvific aspirations. And that's wrong, beloved. We're not about killing Romans. We're not about killing anybody. We're not about building any physical kingdom. Pontius Pilate says, you're a king? Yeah, I'm a king. And my kingdom is not of this world. Spiritual people being born again, joined to a spiritual Christ, going to where? Where? Heaven. Heaven. That's why when you have Christ ascended up to heaven, what are the guys doing? Beloved, you know this is true. This is our flesh, even real believers. We get so fixated. Listen to, your, listen to our conversations. We talk about Jesus for five seconds. What do you think about that guy? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Politics, politics, politics. We are so fixated here below. And here are the guys ca- being caused to do what? Look up. Look up. True biblical Christianity, not only is it evangelical, but it is decidedly otherworldly. Otherworldly. This world is not our home. We're just a what? Passing through. I love America. Don't tell me I don't love America. But it's not our home, beloved. It's there. And the, and the angels say to the Lord, to, to the men, the way that you saw him go up, he's coming back. Jesus says in the Gospel of, of Luke, look up for your what? 
Your redemption draweth nigh. Oh, beloved, I pray that we would increasingly love Christ. I pray that we would increasingly love people, that we would tell them about Jesus, that we would live holy, overcoming lives, looking and longing for Christ to come back or us to go to him. And I'm going to conclude with this. How does, what does that statement say in the Bible? Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. May God be pleased with the preaching of his word.